Welcome to Building LA, a podcast about the buildings and projects shaping the future of Los Angeles, hosted by me, Sam Pepper. I'm a licensed architect, developer, and project manager specializing in large, complex projects. And as you can probably tell, I'm not a lifelong Angelino. Each episode features conversations with the industry leaders driving those projects forward. We discuss what inspires them, reveal the untold stories behind these impactful projects, and talk candidly about the challenges and opportunities facing the design, architecture, and real estate industry in Los Angeles. Please subscribe to Building LA on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. And if you have a few seconds, please rate the show. We really appreciate it, and we'd love to hear from you. Now, on to the episode. Today, join us as we get out of the city and go on a ski weekend in Mammoth. We will discuss the upcoming Limelight Mammoth Hotel with the managing director of WATG, the design firm responsible for the hotel's architecture. With over 29 years of unparalleled experience in both domestic and international design, our guest today has left an indelible mark on the industry. Joining WATG in 1993, she has played a pivotal role in over 50 destinations in countries across the globe. Her work spans a breathtaking array of projects, from intimate boutique hotels with a focus on spa and wellness, wine, and even equestrian lifestyle resorts, to large-scale mixed-use entertainment destinations that include everything from casinos and retail spaces to specialty dining experiences and hotels. But it's not just about the scale of the projects. It's about the attention to detail, the creativity, and the ability to understand the intricate dance between design and operations. Our guest today has collaborated with industry giants like Four Seasons, the Ritz-Carlton, and Marriott, to name just a few. Her leadership style and technical expertise have consistently driven successful collaborations, resulting in world-class projects and destinations enjoyed by clients, residents, and international travelers alike. In this episode, we talk about what it's like to be the managing director of a leading hospitality design firm, the state of the hospitality industry in LA, and much, much more. Without further ado, I'm really excited to introduce you to our guest today, the one and only Monica Cuervo. Monica, welcome to Building LA. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Exciting to be here. Thank you for inviting me to your beautiful office. I'm going to start off with an obvious question. Are the perks of designing five-star resorts in the most beautiful parts of the world as obvious as you might think? I have to agree. Yes, <laughs> I would say absolutely. It's a firm and and something that I discovered uh, 30 years ago now. And they the perks are in line with discovering new places, exploring new destinations, and really helping to bring those back to life or bring them to life. So yes. I would think so. So for listeners who may not know WATG and Wimbley Interiors, could you just describe at a high level the company? It is a global design company. It started in 1945, was founded by architectural partners in Honolulu, Hawaii, just after the World War II. It was very much committed to uh, jumping on planes and really designing new resort destinations in faraway places. The founders were fearless, but they were excited and committed to really helping guests and travelers to understand new destinations. 
So fast forward over the course of the last almost 80 years, uh, we added landscape architecture, interior design, planning, because I think the founders really as, as design evolved and they learned more and more about what a complete environment really has to offer. Mm -hmm. It had to do with more than architecture, more than the built form. It has to do with so many aspects of design. So we now have 11 studios globally, three large hub offices in Singapore, Los Angeles, and London. And we do work all over the world. Fantastic. And your role, so you've been with WATG for 30 years, approximately. You're the managing director of the LA office. Correct. How would you describe your role? There's a lot of different hats that a I'm managing sure. director has to wear. Um, but I think it's very much about working closely with helping to guide and lead, uh, coach in some cases, uh, work with our teams to design, to identify the right teams for the projects that we're presented with. As you could probably imagine, it's it's not about one size fits all and every mm-hmm. every hotel, every new project is completely different. So my role is very much about understanding and listening to our new clients or existing clients' needs with those new projects and helping to develop the right team to be able to really kind of help them achieve their final outcome and really bring these new design and destinations to life. So you're steering the ship when it comes to projects that are based in the LA office. Correct. And making sure that they're staying on track, meeting the client's needs, but I'm assuming you're not diving into the weeds on all the projects that come into this office. No, I do work on my own projects because that was kind of one of the requirements of being able to, to yeah. step into a managing director role. My love is design and I have a passion for projects as well. Um, my training is in architecture, so I definitely didn't want to step out of that. So I do manage to be involved with specific projects along the way. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to LA, I'm also overseeing our Orange County studios, and actually all the studios that we have in our Americas region. Fantastic. So we are sitting in the spectacular Cal Edison, formerly I think just Edison building in downtown LA. I'm glad to hear that you are still in downtown LA. This is an amazing building, historic, really alongside the Biltmore and others in this area, really are a, a marker for a certain type of architecture that was prevalent in LA, kind of in that golden era of Hollywood. What influence does this building have on the design of the space? And is it important to show sort of when people come into the lobby that they are kind of already in the mindset of WATG? I think that it was so important when we were looking for new new space for our new studio space to really be in a building that we knew would inspire our teams and inspire ourselves, really. I mean, that when you walk into the lobby, you you are immediately presented with beautiful detailing. You get into the elevator. I mean, every aspect of that elevator cab it's really stunning. it tells a story mm-hmm. and you can just almost you really kind of immerse yourself and almost transport yourself to that era. And that essence of of experience is immediate mm-hmm. as soon as you walk through the doors. So I think it's definitely something that inspires and it was really important for us to find a building that really 
told a story and really represented a moment in time. If I was in this building, I think I would take any opportunity to invite clients into the office. Yes, and we do. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> yes. So as we recently discovered, you are also a, a tenant of Lincoln Property Company in Tustin. Yes, we so are. So what led you to the flight building in Orange County? Really the creative environment. We knew with having the two studios, one in LA and one in Orange County, they're they're distinctly different. And we wanted that to be very obvious and prevalent. Each of our teams in the various locations, they appreciate different things in the places that they select to live. The flight building is is really exciting and fun. It's got the roll-up doors. It's ground floor. You see nature pouring in. Mm -hmm. There's natural light everywhere, which I think a lot of our teams are are really very much enjoying. And it's completely different than the experience of being in Calatasing and being immersed in Mm -hmm. downtown and walking the streets and seeing a different era kind of come through each, each building as you walk down a block. The contrast is really nice. Completely different. Because also your your clients are all radically different. I mean, every project that comes in the door is going to be wanting something completely different no matter where that it's located. And a project in downtown LA is going to be different than a project in Tustin. Yes. You've been with WATG since 1993. What would you say the key differences between projects then and projects now? I would say that the differences that the guest is much more sophisticated, much Mm. more globally aware, much more sensitive to so many different aspects of their world. They have different priorities, which very much shape the different brands and the hotels that we design, the Mm -hmm. places that we design. Um, We're now doing also multifamily residential as well as senior living. And each of those destinations has residents or guests that have unique values and they're specific to their world. Whereas 30 years ago, I think it was much more homogeneous. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, a five-star hotel was a five-star hotel. And, And it's really interesting, actually. One of the mantras that I can remember, one of the operators when I first started in the industry was very much about saying we want their guests to feel as if they're home wherever they are in the world. That's totally different now. Yeah. People now, if they are in a Four Seasons in Moscow, they want to feel like they're in Moscow. Mm-hmm. If they're in Cartagena, they want to feel like they're in Cartagena. They want to experience the location, the culture, the the, mm-hmm. the flavors. All that sensory experience needs to be unique to the place. Mm-hmm. So that is what is completely different. Than Which is liberating as a designer. Would you also say that because you say the guests are more sophisticated, guests are now exposed to so much social media, Pinterest, whatever it might be. Do you think people just have a higher sense of what a elevated experience is? And so the benchmark still has to kind of keep growing, growing, growing? I think it's very much about awareness, Mm -hmm. a global awareness because of so many different communication channels through social media, through our entertainment industry. People are just much more exposed and and quite honestly, just even the internet. They're able Mm -hmm. to research before they take a vacation. They're spending four or five months before they go on that vacation researching exactly the people, the language, again, Mm -hmm. all the various foods. There's an awareness and a level of 
education that I think comes with the places that they select to travel to that changes that experience completely. So I think that that's where the sophistication comes from. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really an understand, a deeper understanding of the places that they're visiting and the places that they're selecting and choosing to visit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, time is so precious. And especially in America where you know vacation days are, are slim, uh, few and far between, it's really important, I think, to have that experience. And it just, if you're going to a place, you might as well dive in to the culture. And it's, I think, just good for the soul. It's good for, it's also just fun. It's more fun, right? And people want an escape from their home because that's where they spend most of the time. And even though it might be lovely, it's nice to kind of get away, have a fresh perspective and come back rejuvenated. I want to go back a little bit. What were you motivated by in your kind of early 20s when you were starting out your career in architecture? Design. I think that's uh, at really kind of the core of so many of individuals who study architecture, design of different places, locations of our built environment. It is really kind of inspiring to be and to live and work in places that make you feel good mm-hmm. um, when it comes to from natural light to just the overall kind of the walls that surround you. Mm-hmm. That is what really kind of motivated me. And I think that in conjunction with travel, I think being able to explore new places and learn about new places, those two items, I think, were really the driving forces behind me wanting to continue to pursue that career in architecture. Did you start your career in Los Angeles? Yes. I I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, Well, I grew up in California, Southern California. And although I was born in Columbia, South America, my parents immigrated when I was very young. Mm. So I grew up in California and I've always worked in California, but... Being 30 years with WATG, I have had, uh, you know, the distinct, I think, privilege to be able to travel the world and design in so many different countries and locations. So it's it's really been a tremendous journey. Do you have a particular favorite country that you've been to in the past five years that you or a country that surprised you potentially? Yeah, you know, I get that question asked a lot and it does change. I'm glad you said in the last five years. Yeah, of course. Because it does help to kind of qualify it. Yeah. I think I have been continuously surprised and impressed by China, Hmm. the rate and the speed at which they have evolved and developed and grown really never ceases to amaze me. And even though I visited it 15 years ago, Every three to five years or every couple of years when you visit, it, it's just so drastically different. And it amazes me how they just embrace technology and innovation and they just, they, they race, they mm-hmm. race ahead. It's, mm-hmm. it's really quite remarkable. It's interesting. There's always a, someone that wants to describe to me that if in the U.S., if someone says this has never been done before, people get anxious. They're like, oof, I don't know if we want to do that then. Whereas in China, if you say this has never been done before, they're saying, let's go. I want to do it. Oh, yeah. The attitude is, is, the attitude is something totally we, need to, we need to inherit ourselves. We ab- yes, yeah. absolutely. So no, it is remarkable. Yeah. So the company and the, the website specifically speak to the technology that the company kind of utilizes and harnesses for design. And I would imagine that's particularly effective when you're working on projects all around the world. Can you speak to that a little bit and how you do harness new technology? 
We're continuously exploring. I would say that most recently, the use of AI Mm. is something that we're continuously learning about as well as using. Mm. We are learning on the job as we go. Everyone is. Yes, using it effectively on projects and quite exciting. Also, VR have also used that Mm -hmm. uh, in our designs with clients to be able to help them visualize the spaces, which is often difficult for folks who aren't as familiar with the design and built environment, Mm -hmm. as well as so much digital massing and modeling software. So I would say all of the above. Most recently, I would say, and probably exploring the most with AI, which mm. is which is really exciting, learning how to use it, how we're going to be able to use it to be able to continuously evolve our, our story, our design narratives. So you're not an architect that is concerned about AI taking over everyone's jobs. No. You, you think it's, a, it's another tool. Uh, another tool. It's that, another tool in is. our toolbox. Yeah. I was speaking to someone the other day and they said, well, you know, we've always had this. When AutoCAD came along, everyone thought, oh, our jobs are, are over. It's, it's not going to be the case. No, it's it, not. Yeah. No, it's exciting. It's, it's really something that I think is going to help us accelerate our mm-hmm. creative process and exponentially, I think, evolve mm-hmm. that design narrative. Mm-hmm. We're excited and we're using it. And it's definitely, I think, helping us on all fronts. I'm excited about the capability of, as someone who, as an architect, earlier in my career, was spending a lot of times doing interior elevations and trying to get everything exactly perfect. If a computer can do that aspect for me and just to make all the alignments correct, that would be wonderful. And I can just focus on the actual creation. Great. The actual the, creative process. Yeah. Yeah. I think exactly. that would be the epitome of, of great design. Yeah. So the company was founded in in Hawaii. Yes. I want to understand if the vision of the company you think is tied to the culture of Hawaii in any way, and whether that's kind of we've moved on from that at this point, or whether that's still inherent to the the ethos of the company. I would say it's, it's very inherent to the ethos of the company because at the root of it, it really is about celebrating a culture Mm-hmm. and celebrating a place and finding the essence and the spirit of the place and celebrating that and sharing that with the guest. Mm-hmm. So not only with the various destinations and resorts and hotels and places, because we also worked on other types of projects in Hawaii, um, but then when we took that you know, beyond Hawaii, that was very much part of our ethos and continues to be which is, I think, why you're going to see in our on our website or our, in our books, in our projects, there's no two projects that are alike. Every single one is a different project. It's a different evolution of that mm-hmm. creative process. I love that. You've now designed so many hotels and resorts all around the world. When you go on vacation, how are you able to detach yourself from critiquing little things here and there? in a hotel wherever you're staying? Or do you just stay in WATG properties? No, of course not. (laughs) No, you're always exploring different. And um, I don't think you ever detach, honestly. But it's because you love it so much, right. you know, and and I think that I've unfortunately transferred that to my my family, my children. So they are all very attentive to every detail. But from the arrival experience mm-hmm. to a hotel 
to being able to, you know, walk and navigate through to the hotel guest room. It's just innate, I think, in so many of us that have been doing this for so long. You love to look at what works, what doesn't mm-hmm. work, to learn from how we might do things differently, mm-hmm. how we might approach things differently. Mm-hmm. I think that's where that passion continues to kind of feed itself. Yeah. Well, you can also see the work that's gone into it. I would think of like a similar to a chef. You appreciate. T- exactly. It's like a chef tasting other chef's work. It's like, okay, yes, you are probably going to be quicker to point out what's wrong with it. Yes. But you can also, when they do it right, you can appreciate all the effort that's gone into of it course. and how amazing it is that it's been created. Yes. Is there a hospitality concept that you would love to work on to all the developers and flags out there? Monica is just dying to work on this particular project in this particular country. Is there anything that you have Um, love to do? I think that I would love to be able to work with the Amman hotel brands. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to stay there. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So I think that's definitely one that's very near and dear as a aspiring mm-hmm. um, hotel brand that we'd love to be able to work with. We've obviously worked with amazing um, hotel brands all over the world, uh, luxury, etc. But there's a purity there that I think that it would be very fun to collaborate on. Okay. Well, maybe 2024 is the year. Exactly. What continues to give you the most satisfaction in your work? I think being able to work with so many different designers that have to be a part of a project coming mm-hmm. to life. You know, many people I think have this image of, of just the architect designing everything. And the reality, especially when it comes to hotels, is they're complex project typologies. Mm-hmm. And you have to have food and beverage consultants, structural engineer, lighting consultant, interior designer, landscape. There's so many different minds that Mm -hmm. have to come to the table to be able to collaborate and create Mm -hmm. for a period of call it you know almost three years Mm -hmm. from start to finish that is what really helps to fuel my fire i think Mm -hmm. in terms of design and i know it, it very much is a part of the ethos of our company of our firm because we do very much embrace everybody's ideas and it isn't Mm -hmm. just about one idea so that collaboration Mm -hmm. is extremely important to us and i think it's the essence of of a successful design and a successful property it's been a familiar theme when i've spoken to architects and designers on this podcast is that there is a satisfaction in just seeing a team hum and really work well together and then also the incredible personal relationships that can come out of that because you've been in the trenches with someone on a project that could last three or four years you get to know this person very very well you build up an enormous amount of trust that is often i think more important and more memorable than the project itself sometimes is the relationships that come out of it no doubt when you see architects come in and designers who come in who are younger or coming from school do you still see a sense that there is a sort of a mentality shift that needs to happen away from you're the unique genius to being a a great collaborator and team player? I would say I'm seeing that less and less. Okay, interesting. And I do think that that has to do with, again, going back to that global awareness, mm-hmm. that understanding that you can ask for help, should ask for help. Yeah. We don't know everything. Mm-hmm. The more you know, the more you realize 
what you don't know. Right. And I do feel that society in general is is becoming much more embracing of that concept. Mm -hmm. And there's so many resources now too. We have so many resources at our fingertips that I think people understand and realize that it's not about one idea. And the more you're able to pull in and draw in, the better the design's going to be. It's interesting. I sometimes think that I'm more naive now than I was 15 years ago when I started because I've recognized how much more I have to learn. And every year I sort of, I think I get more and more humble <laughs> as I go forwards because yes. I recognize, okay, I've only got so many years in my career and there's so much to learn. And just being, you surround yourself with smart people. If you can do that, then you've figured it out. I want to talk about the hospitality industry a little bit because we've gone through obviously the pandemic a couple of years ago. It was the end of the world for hospitality, cruise liners, everything, you know, hotel stocks just plummeted. We're now going through what feels like a little bit of a resurgence in the hospitality industry. I'm curious if you think that we're entering a growth period for the hospitality industry, both globally and in LA? I think we are. I think post-pandemic, leisure travel was at its peak and mm -hmm. it was a huge boom. Mm -hmm. And we continue to see, to reap those rewards, I think, um, overall. And the last piece of that puzzle, I think, though, is the business travel, which mm. continued to suffer and fall behind coming out of pandemic with virtual meetings and so on and so forth. But I do think it's seeing a resurgence and it's coming back. I think group travel, convention travel, corporate mm -hmm. travel is coming back. Mm -hmm. But that uh, road warrior mentality, mm -hmm. um, although it may not be what it was pre-pandemic, it right. certainly does have a runway. And I think we, we definitely have a, a resurgence on the, on the horizon. Yeah, I would agree with that. I doubt, I doubt personally that we're going to hit the same levels. I think people are, the argument of meeting in person is less, is just not as strong as it was. And if you can save your company costs and travel, yes, you're more likely to try the Zoom call. But again, still, particularly when there's clients involved, you cannot replicate connection, a, a connection, and those minutes before and after a meeting. Yes, it's just you, you can't do it. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, I want to talk about the experience economy. It's impacting everything, right? Netflix recently announced they're doing a Netflix House, which is as I understand it, sort of like a Disneyland for Netflix IP where they're taking over old malls and, and bring people into these spaces. We've got Harry Potter World in New York that's incredibly successful. There's all these brand partnerships that seem to be prevalent now. Do you feel like that's impacting the work that WATG does? In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Because it's actually opening doors and, and, again, raising awareness of the different types of experience that a, a traveler, a guest can experience and can see. And their bucket list is growing mm -hmm. um, because they're being exposed mm -hmm. to all of those different types of experiences. Mm -hmm. So it's impacting us in a great way. I would assume you're getting calls now that maybe you wouldn't have received 10 years ago from folks who are trying to create an experience that then they can finance and, and generate revenue from. Exactly. I think that this whole idea of personalization mm -hmm. and specialization 
has impacted the types of brands. I mean, if you look at what a brand is today, you know, Marriott has a whole list of of different brands that they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the the specialization, you know, there's there's hotels that are catering to leisure cars and fashion brands. There's certainly this level of specialization that is really only causing that list of options that travelers can experience to be that much greater. So it's it, it's definitely having an impact. When I look at Marriott or any of these big hotel brands, the number of brands they have these days, I, I haven't heard of half of them. Have we kind of hit peak level of sort of these corporate brands? Do you think we're going to consolidate more or it's going to continue and continue? I think it's going to continue. Interesting. And again, it has to do with personalization and, mm-hmm. and specialization and and really finding your niche. There's so many different types of people and this uh, diversification of cultures, even just within Los Angeles, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Mm-hmm. There's a hotel for everyone yeah. and there's an experience for everyone. So I don't think it's going to stop. I think it's mm. going to be more and more. And then you, you get into the culinary experiences, health and wellness. Mm-hmm. There's just so many facets of our lives that can influence the type of travel destinations and, mm-hmm. and where we live. Because as we look at our residences or even as I chatted about earlier is the senior living, each of those locations are going to be catered to the types of people and interests that they partake in. Yeah. And I think that you know, we talk about travel, but even on a day-to-day level, an hour-by-hour level, right? There's obviously, we obviously go to fantastic restaurants to kind of escape a little bit, have an experience. There's also seems to be this burgeoning members club sort of typology. Soho House was sort of groundbreaking in that, but now it's it's really expanded. I mean, in LA alone, there's there's the Brightly, there's High Mat, there's all these different clubs is that something that I would assume WTG is also getting involved in? Because there seems to be a, an insatiable desire for that kind of experience. Yes. But then that goes back to this idea of personalization, is yeah. finding your finding your tribe right. and really where you feel comfortable so that you can engage in these co-working spaces. And then there's that also blending of leisure and, and work. So those clubs offer you that opportunity to be mm-hmm. able to work a little, play a little, then work a little again. Mm-hmm. But you want to be in an environment that is familiar, that feels good, that has mm-hmm. a good vibe to it. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about, I think, the potential of looking at real estate, sort of underappreciated assets that are in interesting areas of LA, whether it be the west side or the east side, being converted into these sort of smaller members clubs that can be utilized by the local community. We are yearning for community still. And when we get that at a hotel in a yoga class or at the beach or whatever, that's great. But we want it at home as well. And it's so hard in LA in particular because everyone's in their car and it's not a it's not a city that's easily sort of generates community, but also with everyone's detachment on technology, people just want that connection. And I think there's going to be more and more of these clubs at a variety of price points that really kind of develop over the next decade or so. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, th- I, I don't think that's stopping anytime soon. And I think it has to do with that yearning for community. Yeah. And then I'm also curious, I mean, we talk about personalization a lot. The calls that WOTG is getting, offices are now moving to be much more hospitality forward to try and attract people back to the office. 
Are you receiving more calls now from offices and and corporate tenants potentially about trying to bring in hospitality into their workspace? I would say more so than 10 years ago, yeah. five years ago, post-pandemic for sure. Being able to bring that hospitality aspect to medical facilities, mm-hmm. to residential, mm-hmm. um, that urban resort residential Mm. experience Mm. or even just resort residential experience as well as office being able to bring that fitness aspect or health and wellness aspect to the co-working space is very prevalent yeah that's interesting it seems like when lincoln is looking at office spaces we are always now looking at it from a hospitality lens because in order to attract a tenant into a space, there needs to be a differentiating factor. Today, it's about the service that you get and the place that it's located in. So if you are in a, on a vibrant street and you have a level of concierge or something technology layer within the actual building itself, you are going to be much more likely to attract a tenant than in a sort of typical class A spec office building. And that's been something that I think has really evolved since COVID, but is now, particularly when there's slim pickings in terms of tenants looking for spaces, that's the only way to really, well, not the only way, but it's a way to differentiate yourself. Accessibility, I would say, to to the Mm -hmm. outdoors and to nature is super important. Yes, That was key for our Tustin location, as well as as here, being able to have accessibility to going for a quick walk Mm -hmm. and feeling like you were safe and being able to to go out and walk to a quick park or ride your bike or that is super important. Yeah, I would agree with that. So the LA market experiences some of the highest occupancy rates and ADR levels nationally. Yet the occupancy levels are still below 2019 levels. We have huge events on the horizon. We've got the World Cup, we've got the Olympics. Where do you think the LA hospitality market is going? I think we're going to continue to see an increase in the business traveler. I think um, more and more we're going to be looking to expand and renovate. We're seeing a lot of opportunities in the area of renovation, conversion of the old stagnant hotels to new lifestyle hotels that have a club component, that have a rooftop terrace component, really bringing to life some of those spaces and, and hotels that maybe weren't offering any that uh, mm-hmm. any of those types of experiences. I think that in those various areas, we're seeing a lot of new projects coming on the horizon and we see some growth in on the hospitality sector. Fantastic. So I want to change tack a little bit here and talk about the Mammoth Hotel. Can you just describe for our listeners a little bit of, at a high level what this uh, project entails? It's a limelight hotel. It's a relatively new brand, 10 years new. It'll be a brand new hotel across the street from the village in Mammoth Lakes, 149 Keys. And we'll also have uh, 15 branded residences at the top. It's Mm. a six-story building. It's actually on a beautiful site right across the street from the village with direct access to the gondola up to Ski Mountain with amazing views out to the Sierras. It's a site that actually hadn't been developed, had had several attempts at being developed Mm. over the last many years. And we're super excited because it's actually finally becoming a reality with Aspen Ski Company, who are a fantastic company, really committed to sustainability. It's a hotel that is going to be all electric. 
So they're really walking the talk Mm -hmm. and really committed to making sure that they're doing all the right things. Target market is Gen Z and millennials with families um, that do have a real passion for the outdoors. Mm. The hotel was designed in such a way that was very open to community, almost like a, a living room for the community. So people can actually come and socialize as well as being right. having direct access. As you know, Mammoth is is very much Angelino's playground. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that have grown up in Los Angeles, Mammoth is super accessible. Uh, and it has been not only for snow sports and winter sports, but also year round with biking, mountain biking and hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really a, a year round resort. And so we're super excited. There hasn't been a new building built, a new hotel built in the last 10 years in Mammoth Lakes. And this is the first wow. after a long time. So okay. I guess that makes sense. Very excited. So this is opening in 2025. Correct. Okay, so folks who are listening, start planning to stay there. The Limelight brand, is that owned by the Aspen Ski Club? Yes, Aspen Ski Company owns, yes. They are also owners of the Little Nell, which is a five-star luxury resort um, legacy project really in Aspen. And so nearby is this Limelight, which is more of a lifestyle brand and very outdoors, very focused on that Gen Z millennial target market that is really about connecting to the outdoors and to adventure. Okay. WATG, was there an existing relationship with the client or how was the project sourced? How was the connection made? Interesting. So as as it is, the hospitality industry is a small industry. Relatively. As they all are, it yes, seems. Yeah. I had worked with Alenio Azevedo several years back when we were working on the Four Seasons Cartagena. Yeah, he was uh, with the Four Seasons previously and so um, had joined Aspen Ski Company several years back. Yeah. And so we reconnected as well as also one of the other team members within the organization. We reconnected and we actually, it was a competitive bid and we competed against some of the other teams and we won the project. And as a result of that one, we're now doing a second one in Boulder for them. And it's been a great relationship. I think that we share a lot of the same values company-wise relative to a commitment to doing, acting responsibly, designing responsibly, Mm -hmm. really designing authentically for the community, a real kind of honest and laid back luxury, which is really what the Limelight brand is about. So it's been a great collaboration with them. And we're super excited that this is going to finally become a reality. There were some challenges on the on the onset, right, in the pandemic with construction costs. As you know, as know yeah. construction costs really impacted so many projects that were on the boards. Mm. And we went through multiple iterations, worked closely with the contractor, worked closely with um, Aspen Ski Company to really find ways to optimize, to bring a great design within their budget. It was a strong collaboration to make sure that we were doing the right thing. Um, and as a result, like I said, we're, we're also working on the Boulder project, the Limelight Boulder, which is also going to be opening in, at the end of 2025. And, and that's under construction now as well. Fantastic. Would you say that the construction costs, was that the biggest challenge that you had on the project when everything spiked as a result of COVID? I would say that was a big pain point. Yeah. It, it, and it has been a big pain point, I think, you know, for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you you price out a project, you establish a budget, and it's it's fine when you're in concept and then you, you go to the next phase, you know, schematic mm-hmm. design, DD, and all of a sudden 
it's twice as much. Right. And you're thinking, wait a second, right. <laughs> it's only been two months. Right. Um, and then you revisit. So really working through that, I think you, you'll probably get that from every architect, every every oh, yeah. uh, design team under the sun is that that was a major, major hurdle. Yeah, basically all our proformers had to be scrapped. Exactly. And the, and there's, you know, the shortage of materials, mm-hmm. the volatility in oh, yeah. material costs. Um, Lead times, One day concrete everything. was high, the next it was the wood. Mm-hmm. It was just ever-changing. And I think that that was, it was a moving target that we all were very, very challenged with. But we worked through it. So mm-hmm. we're getting, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And just to re-clarify uh, WATG's role in the project, both as an AOR and interiors as well? We are design architect, design architect, architect of record, also landscape architect. We do the landscape design as well. Okay, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, does WATG ever invest in projects as like a co-GP or partner with clients? Not, No, not at the moment. It hasn't been something that we've done traditionally. We have mm-hmm. talked about it, I'm though, sure. because we have been approached by uh, groups um, to see if we would. Yeah. Um, there's obviously, uh, there could be a real, I think, synergy yeah. with certain developers. Um, but at the moment, we don't. Okay. Maybe something to look out for yes. in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think the opportunity was that the developers were taking advantage of in Mammoth with opening this hotel? What was the gap in the market that they saw? You said that there was no hotel built in 10 years. Was it just aging product and opportunity for a new and proximity to the village, mm-hmm. you know, location, proximity to the village, a fun, laid back luxury that really connected to the outdoors. Um, the hotel is designed in such a way where you have beautiful views to mm. all areas of the Sierras and the environment so that you didn't go to a hotel that was dark and right. closed up. It was just it's it's a beautiful hotel that really has great amenities and immediate proximity to the gondola that takes mm-hmm. you right up to the slopes. What's what you want in a, in a ski resort is casual luxury. You want to feel comfortable. You want to feel warm. You kind of want to feel a bit cozy. But you also want to be connected to the outdoors. You don't want to be in some nondescript building where you could be anywhere with the windows closed. You really want to feel like you're part of it. And I think no matter if you're in Colorado or California or even some mountains on the East Coast, that connection is critical and is the marker, I think, of the hotels that have done really well. I'm actually very familiar with the hotels that are connected to the Hudson Valley and the Catskills where you know the mountains are very, very small. But there's a really interesting sort of hospitality experience that happens up there where some there's some small hoteliers that have opened up or renovated old motels, things like that. But the ones that have done it well have really honed in on the fact that people want, as you said, sort of a large lobby where maybe there's a fireplace or something, and there's something to sort of gather people. You can come in if you, even if you're not a hotel guest, work there for a little bit, connect, have a drink. They want to have that active environment within a beautiful setting and feel connected to it, which sounds obvious when you say it, right? It sounds obvious. What are you most excited about with the design? Is it sustainability? Is it the lobby experience? Is it the rooms? I'm curious what's most exciting to you. I think what's most exciting is all of the above. Everything you've mentioned, the sustainability, the sustainability aspect of it has been, I think, a real milestone for us as a team, because as you could probably imagine over the course of so many years, a lot of hoteliers talk about doing it, being sustainable and Mm -hmm. and bringing in um, various aspects of, of the environment into their hotel designs. But 
rarely do you have a hotel owner that really does it and, mm-hmm. and really kind of commits to it and goes to the finish line. It was really exciting for us to hear that they were very much committed to these various initiatives. Mm-hmm. So that aspect is extremely near and dear to our hearts. And then just I think, too, the connection to community, Mm -hmm. Uh, the village in Mammoth Lakes is very much kind of the central gathering place. There's events, there's all kinds of different local activities that take place in that village. And this hotel is directly across the street. I mean, it's right there in the village. So it is in the heart of Mammoth Lakes and really connects up to the mountain and really, I think, is going to serve and continue to be kind of the center of that place. So it's really exciting. And we're really pleased with the design. You know, it's it's clean, it's fresh, it's mm-hmm. contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, did it's got did a good the design vibe. evolve, especially during those challenging periods where construction costs were going up? Did the design evolve and I have to adapt to those new challenges? It evolved in a great way Mm -hmm. because I think that when you start with a design, there's certain elements of it that you almost kind of want to put all these details into it. And Mm -hmm. then as you evolve, you start to realize that there's a a clean simplicity and, and a contemporary kind of purity mm-hmm. to the design which is where it is today mm-hmm. and what, what you're going to see built which we're really excited about you know using three or four core materials throughout the design that really represent the local materials when we were designing our landscape team was very sensitive in conjunction with the interiors to for those trees that were being removed to be able to take those trees and use that wood back into the design of the building Mm -hmm. so that there is that level of sustainability as well to make sure that you're preserving and reusing and there's no waste. So we're very excited about the overall design. When you are putting together a team like WATG for this project, did you put a poll out and say, who's a big skier? And if you married into a ski family, that doesn't count. Like how, how did you develop the the team for a project like this? I think it really had to do with the type of hotel and appreciation for the sport, but also growing up in mm-hmm. California. I mm-hmm. think that was also important. We understood what Mammoth meant to Angelinos. We understood mm-hmm. the target market. Mm-hmm. We understood a lot of the team members had grown up going there so they knew what was missing what was going to be super important what people would appreciate Mm -hmm. while they were there Um, so i think that local connection was really important fantastic i'm going to tie it up with a couple of questions which i ask all my guests what continues to inspire you about working in la the diversity Okay. I just am inspired by the diversity. I mean, obviously, I grew up in in Southern California, but Los Angeles has a diversity of culture, art, mm-hmm. design, mm-hmm. and all of that really fuels so many beautiful and, I think, interesting aspects of our built environment. I agree. Last question. What are your three favorite buildings in L.A.? So they're all a little bit different. Um, The Getty Center is a favorite of mine. There's so many aspects of it. I think there's it really kind of captures community Mm -hmm. while being extremely beautiful, simple, elegant. I think Richard Meyer did a fantastic job. The Bradbury Building is quintessentially Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and continues, I think, to have that staying power. Mm -hmm. And then actually the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Mm -hmm. I think that... 
in and of itself, it was, I think, innovative of the time, right? 20 years ago and, and what it was in terms of materiality and, and design, I think, really helps to celebrate what um, Los Angeles brings to its community. Three great choices. Monica, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to Building LA on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. As a bonus, if you have a couple of minutes, please consider rating the podcast and writing us a brief review. We'd really appreciate it. And of course, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to email me at sam at buildinglapodcast.com. Hope you tune in again soon.